everything atrophies. There's diminishing returns no matter what. If you don't keep maintaining or growing things, they naturally go backwards. They reduce. So your traffic will go backwards if you stop producing any content. You know, you stop that podcast, you stop that YouTube channel, you stop writing new blog posts. Eventually, you're going to be replaced by other people's content. Hey, this is Yarrow. Before I press play on today's episode of the EJ podcast, I'd like to invite you to download the latest version of my Blog Profits Blueprint, a free report available in audio and written text that will take you through an A to Z guide on how to set up a blog designed to be your main online marketing channel. I'll teach you how to grow your email list. I'll teach you how to grow your brand. And most importantly, how to make sales of your products and services using the power of blogging. It's been downloaded over 150,000 times already and is the starting point for many of the most popular bloggers you know today. You can get it for free from blogprofitsblueprint.com. Hello, this is Yara Starek and welcome to a late night edition of a solo episode with me. It's Sunday night here in Vancouver as I record this. I'm sitting on my couch and I felt the urge to talk some truth about traffic. The reason why I wanted to dive into this topic with you is I've been thinking about it myself because I'm in a bit of a unique situation or maybe not that unique, but it's a combination of events happening in my own business or actually a couple of my businesses. And it's made me think about traffic. I'm about to focus my own energy on growing traffic for a new project. And I think there's some, I guess I won't call them lies, but they're things people don't talk about when it comes to generating traffic on the internet. And I feel like if you're someone who's never actually got that much traffic online, you think people who do get traffic must have some kind of secret technique or specialized skill or they got lucky or they're famous. There's something special about them because they have managed to get those, you know, even tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, up to millions of visitors for whatever it is they do, their podcast, their YouTube channel, their blog, whatever their web presence is. And I want to kind of debunk a few of the myths. Now, those things I said, certainly celebrity, specialized skill set, even good timing, they do come into play when it comes to growing traffic to your online business. And you know those things can be a huge advantage. But based on what I've seen in terms of conversations, or should I say based on what I've heard in terms of conversations with other successful online marketers of all kinds, from email marketers to bloggers to podcasters to YouTubers. Uh, and I've had a lot of conversations at events and you know behind the scenes and in podcasts when the microphone's not recording. And I really do see that there is an underlying truth about traffic that I need to talk about with you tonight. And I'm also saying this because it's a reminder for myself. And I think it's important as I'm about to undertake a new marketing campaign that I also accept the hard, brutal reality that I'm up against, you're up against as we work to grow traffic to our online businesses. 
So first, a bit of background with what I'm focusing on right now as I record this. So a couple of events have happened. One, I've released a brand new company. In fact, it's actually been up and running for a number of months already in a beta test phase. But I'm about to switch over to what you would call a marketing mode. So the business, you might already know about it. There may even have been a little short few minute ad before I started doing this solo podcast where I talked about this new business. It's called Inbox Done. Inboxdone.com. It is essentially a service where we provide you a dedicated email manager to take over email for your life or your business or both. And it's a business that I'm very excited about. It's a business that I think really offers a service that a lot of entrepreneurs and freelancers and experts and even just you know everyday people who are in high pressure roles where they get a lot of incoming email could benefit from someone who's really the line of defense against those emails and organizer as well as a person who's just going to follow up on all those emails that you never really get to follow up with the potential customers current customers you know those sorts of emails so i'm excited about this business but i'm bootstrapping it it's i'm a co-founder along with claire who's one of my current team members. She, in fact, is one of my email managers for my teaching business. So I decided to start this startup with her as a co-founder because she really knows how to deliver the service. So essentially, she was actually the first person to provide the service for inboxdone.com. So I could actually say that if you were one of my first customers, you got the same person who looks after my email looking after yours. And she's actually training all of our people who you know start taking over email inboxes as we grow our company. So it's really our methodology, our systems, our standards are going to be built into this business. So that's why I'm excited about it. And mostly because I think it really meets a need. But because we're bootstrapping it, which if you're not familiar with that term, it means we're not taking any outside funding and I'm not even pouring in any money of my own. Like I'm not taking savings I've got or money I've made from my businesses or any other sources to grow this business. I may do that at some point in time, but the idea is to really stick to the bootstrapping methodology. And that means you hustle for, in particular for traffic, using free methods. You don't have a ton of money to waste on you know, paid advertising campaigns, even building the website, which is the milestone we just passed. So we took on a couple of beta customers, which I found from my existing audience, and they've been using the service. They've been happy with it. It's been going really well. That's what got me excited to keep going because it's kind of like a proof of concept. And we kind of decided, all right, let's take some of the initial cash flow and turn that into our first website. So use that money to set up a website. Anyway, we're not talking a lot. You know, we spent $500 to get our, our very first website up and running. I, I did all the copy. Claire has been helping with, you know, some of the videos and things like that. So essentially, though, you know, we used the money that we'd made from the business to create the website, which has now allowed me to switch my focus to marketing because once there's a website we now actually have something we can go out there and tell people about plus we have case studies since we've serviced our first customers so it's a classic evolution of a new sort of online startup what i would call actually a well nowadays you call it a service a productized service i've called it services arbitrage in the past whatever the case it is an online business that we're building that i'm excited about and now i'm turning my attention to traffic to grow that business the other thing that's happened basically the exact same time is we're going through a bit of a transition year in the, I guess, Yarrow personal brand business, my teaching business, my blogging business, which has been my bread and butter for over a decade now. It's been very consistent. I've been very grateful for it. It's, you know, based on my teaching methodologies and my content, you know it well, otherwise you wouldn't be here listening to me. And that business 
has gone through a bit of a change this year as I slightly adjust the branding and sort of move away from the old entrepreneurs-journey.com domain name. I think it was time to really move away from that because it's not the best domain name. I, I never loved it. I bought it back when I knew very little about how to choose a domain name. It was a hobby purchase. And I also am releasing a book this year called The Change Manifesto. And I'm trying to bring everything under the umbrella brand of Yarrow. So it kind of makes sense to get a new domain name and do a rebranding a little bit. We've actually had a design change for my blog in development for about four years. That's a whole other story, but I won't go into it now. But we are finally getting close to the final stages of releasing that. So domain name change design change, a little bit of strategy change, content change, new business, a lot of new things going on here. And as a result, in particular, of the domain name change. So I'm going to do, no doubt, an article and possibly a podcast, probably just an article for this one, explaining the switch to my new domain name and everything I just kind of summarized there for you with the new strategy. So yaro.blog, Y-A-R-O.blog is now my new domain name that is the public facing first touch point for all my content, my podcast, my blog and Entrepreneur's Journey became that. So it actually redirects to yaro.blog. It's still the same content. Nothing's really changed except the domain name. But for those of you familiar with search engine optimization, in particular Google rankings, you know when you change your domain name, you tend to mess things up when it comes to your Google search rankings. Now, the idea is that it should return, or fingers crossed, it will return and stabilize to what you were before. Maybe a little worse, maybe a little better. As I record this, we're really in the midst of that transition period. And it's kind of scary. I won't lie to you. I've actually seen my traffic halve at the time I'm recording this. So we've got half as much traffic as before I switched my domain name. And it's had a pretty detrimental effect on how many email opt-ins we're getting too. That's something that's a work in progress. So I don't feel it's appropriate to even really dive into that topic because it is in the middle of a transition. So it's not really fair to comment much on it. It's actually doing exactly what you would expect when you change your domain name. But it has made me kind of reflect on what it's like to kind of almost go back to very little traffic. And, you know, that's not something that's pleasant, but it does allow you to really almost have to have a reset button. I guess I feel right now a reminder of what it was like when I was first getting started with every online project I've ever had, that feeling of I've got no audience and I've got to do something to make sure people know I exist. Otherwise, I won't make any money. I won't sell any of my products and services. And that's probably where you are. I, I suspect, you know, I know the majority of people don't have a lot of traffic. It's the biggest stumbling block for most people. Obviously, traffic is a factor of a lot of things, and it's not necessarily the only reason why people don't succeed at online business. There's a lot of steps that need to be right before you do traffic or in tandem with traffic or is a byproduct of how you go about choosing your traffic. But at the end of the day, no one's seeing your stuff means no one's buying your stuff. So that's the case for all businesses that have ever existed. You've got to get in front of potential customers. And that's the situation I'm facing now with, I guess, two phases or two fronts, you could say, with the restoration as the renovations to my blog continue 
I want to get that back to where it was. So that's there's a, an element there of you know traffic strategy and how that's going to happen. And then a brand new business that's got really no attention besides anything I can do at the moment, which is mostly just using my existing blog audience and email list and podcast, like you've no doubt already had some exposure. I've sent a couple of emails. I've got podcast ads about this. I've written some articles that are getting the awareness created for this inbox done service. And, you know, it's a brand new business, so it may or may not succeed. We just because we've got a couple of customers during our beta test run who are happy doesn't mean there's enough customers out there. But I'm pretty confident we can have a pretty stable business, if not a very successful business in this niche, because I think it's something that people, once they realize is available, it solves a need. And in fact, the main need it might solve is the hiring needs. Since that's one of the biggest challenges with finding someone good for your email is someone you can trust. And we take away that need for hiring because we do the work hiring and training and you know getting someone who you can trust to run your email. So let's talk traffic now that I've given you the background and the introduction to why I'm thinking about this. And this will be very relevant to you if you've never had traffic or maybe you've just never had enough. Like maybe you've had some traffic. I know a lot of my students over the years, my coaching programs, I've had some people who are successful. They make money, sometimes, you know, almost full-time incomes, even up to full-time incomes and beyond. Some of them are making multiple six figures a year, but there's always this sense of they're not getting enough traffic. You know, I think everyone always wants more. It's one of those situations where you can never really have enough, but there's enough traffic to get you the main goal you want, which is usually the full-time income. You know, once you get there, everything else is growth. It's not necessarily do or die. Once you get to full-time income, you've kind of moved past do or die phase, which is a nice place to get to. And some people kind of sit on the the line of that for a long time. You know, they get some traffic, they make a couple of thousand dollars, but then the next month they don't make much money. So it can be a bit of a scary place to be in. And I've been there and I know what it's like and you can stay there for quite a while too. So solving that traffic problem, getting high quality leads and getting that consistent conversion is something that's important to all of us. So let's talk a little bit more about that now. So I want to start with my, I guess, this startup first, because it's more relevant to you know what you're probably doing in the sense that you're going out there building probably a brand new brand. You've got a brand new domain name, brand new website, and you're thinking, how do I get traffic to it? And I think it's really important to, first of all, let me state something. This is really, as I alluded to at the start of this podcast, the not so talked about aspect of online business that you, you, know, you won't hear people saying this too frequently, at least not when they're you know, trying to sell you on something. They might say this to you behind the scenes when it's just more casual conversation. And what I mean is the truth about traffic, which really is there's no such thing as forever consistent traffic sources that will run effectively passively. So we'll run without you. I know this because that's the holy grail I've searched for my entire online business life is that dream of as close as you can get to passive income, which means you need passive traffic source. You need basically passive traffic and passive conversion. So you need to have consistent sales coming in. Now, I've gotten really close with actually two of my businesses, my editing company, because it got traffic from Google, it eventually built up a fairly consistent repeat customer base from the work I did putting up posters. There was this sense of momentum there that, uh, you know, certainly during its peak years when I was running it, the customers came in without me doing anything more. 
that being said, there would have been a runway there maybe two or three years before that would have dramatically dropped without something to continue to stimulate that traffic source. With my more recent business in teaching around the blogging and internet marketing space, the same story kind of plays out where I created content that continued to deliver traffic and has continued for over a decade. It's certainly the closest thing I've ever seen to, I won't call it passive because there you know, is sort of like a maintenance need for keeping some kind of content going out there. But even that may not be that needed once you've built up some sort of critical mass. And you know, a lot of that for me was timing, getting into blogging early, writing some articles that started to rank well, you know, just being one of the first people to write about the topic that I covered and getting a lot of links from other authoritative sites during the early days allowed me to sort of sustain a consistent stream of, of SEO traffic. And that's something that's still possible today, but you know, it's not going to be an easy outcome. There will be those two or three years of hard work creating content and growing your incoming links just to build up that base. But once you get there, Google is a great source of traffic in terms of low labor once momentum is built. It's tough when you're building momentum. It feels like it's so slow and you're getting no traffic. But once you get those articles, they start ranking well. It is free traffic. It is almost passive in a sense. And it's a great source of traffic. But there's a diminishing returns. And that really, if I'm going to summarize, uh, I guess I won't call it a lie, as I said before. It's really just an unfortunate truth. But I guess it's the nature of the universe. And everything atrophies. There's diminishing returns no matter what. If you don't keep maintaining or growing things, they naturally go backwards. They reduce. So your traffic will go backwards if you stop producing any content. You know, you stop that podcast, you stop that YouTube channel, you stop writing new blog posts, even though you, you know, it might be a, a long runway where you're getting traffic to your existing content, eventually you're going to be either replaced by other people's content. You're simply just going to have less and less authority because you don't seem to be alive anymore. And that's going to impact how these platforms rank you. You know, Google, YouTube, etc., iTunes as well. They look for consistent, fresh content to sort of see that you're alive and that kind of impacts your overall rankings as well. So, you know, if you stop dead, you might still get a runway of traffic, a runoff of traffic, but it's not going to last forever. And what's interesting is that kind of idea, this atrophy, this diminishing returns, it plays out in other traffic sources too. Like, you know, not everyone's a content marketer. Not everyone's looking for free traffic from these platforms. They're actually buying traffic. In fact, it's probably even more prevalent for people to do that. So whether you're buying Facebook ads or Google Display Network or social media ads with Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn, or, you know, even nowadays you might be doing email ads or Spotify ads I've been seeing as another way to, you know, use audio in this case to get in front of people. Those traffic channels, it's interesting because there's always potential. There's always audiences. There's human beings that are paying attention to things. But it's so dynamic. There's new competitors coming into play. There's audiences shifting from one platform to the other. There's topic changes. You know, things become hot and then disappear. So the nature of ad buying, it's a dynamic traffic stream, which means you have to be a dynamic marketer to continue to benefit from it. 
Now, that's certainly not passive by any means. You need to, you know, look after your ad campaigns. Now, for some people, I think, you know, the really specialized people who are putting in their 10,000 hours, you know, they're there every day. They start with a, not no skills in ad buying, but then through sheer practice over time, they get this amazing breadth of knowledge and experience. They get that kind of almost sense of intuition. They inherently understand ad buying for them. And I've, I've known a few of these people. I've got a few friends, Scott Oldford, a guy from Toronto, although he's moving around. He's one of those guys with Facebook ads. I remember back in the day, an old friend of mine, uh, William Swain from back in Brisbane, Australia, he was uh, I saw it when he first started with Google ads and then how he became such a, a natural addict, you know, and for those kind of people, it's a skill set that they can tap into and really they can get continuous traffic, assuming they have money to spend, obviously, but even they can't let that do what it does without checking in and tweaking and creating new ad campaigns. So there is something there that needs to be done. And it's not always a, a clear ROI too. You know, that's the thing with buying traffic. It's not like, a, it's not a free source. So you might spend $100,000 on ads and your profit margin at the end of the day might be $20,000 in profit. So, you know, you spend 100,000 to get 120,000 back. That's not bad, but as you can imagine, the margin for error gets pretty scary. If you start to go a little bit off, suddenly your profit margin is dipping into the negatives. And that's actually, you can't go negative on free traffic from content marketing. You can go zero, which is where a lot of people stay and not make any profit, but you'll never lose money. You'll only lose the time you put in to create content and build links and go out there and market yourself. With ad revenue, sorry, with ad spending, if you start to go negative, you actually are losing money. So you, in some ways that's good because it forces you to stay on your toes and really make sure those campaigns are working. Of course, on some level, it's really bad because you have to get to a certain level of proficiency just to make sure you're not losing money. You've got to you know, break even and then make profit. So that traffic source, again, it's not passive and it requires a specialized skill set. Now I can jump to other traffic sources. Let's talk about media, press coverage, publicity, another very common, very popular source of exposure for your work. And it very much can be free. Obviously, you can hire specialists like publicists. But I think it's pretty obvious when we say that's not a passive source of traffic either. It can provide a hit when you get some exposure. It can certainly be part of a great content marketing strategy because if you're getting publicity, which means maybe you're getting written up by other websites, online magazines, those sorts of things. Maybe you're scoring some interviews on podcasts because of this publicity. That does help build that sort of platform, as I would call it in some of my training. But again, it's not going to be a do it once and set it forever and it keeps delivering value. There is a need to continue to drum up that traffic, whether it's get new publicity, find new angles, tell new stories, reach new people, access new media outlets. So there is a need to keep fueling that machine. And that's the point here. So whether I'm talking about advertising, publicity, content marketing, the other sort of traffic method I haven't really touched on, which is also very powerful and just as relevant, is joint ventures, which means you're going out there and you're getting other people to recommend what you do. Usually it's some kind of affiliate relationship where you're paying them a commission for sales generated. Sometimes it's even paying a commission for leads generated with those you know, big platforms, those networks where you can tap into. But pure sense of joint venture is usually where two people, two companies come together to create a mutually beneficial situation where they may even be recommending each other's stuff, but usually it's one group recommending another person's. And that's powerful because it has 
trust implied. You don't have to generate trust. It comes with the recommendation from the trusted third party. And it's usually free for the person who's receiving the traffic. They only basically lose the commissions they pay and that only gets triggered when they make a sale. So it's a great source of traffic. It's one of the best sources of traffic out there, in fact. And I think if you, you know, you speak to a lot of people who do things like release books or sell courses or, you know, even do any kind of product promotions, you'll find that there's a common feedback that people are saying, this is the best source of traffic I've had. And it's usually either A, some kind of joint venture webinar campaign, that's for the more selling an online course or selling a digital product kind of world. If you're doing maybe a book, people will, and I'm actually hearing this over and over again, podcast interviews have been the most powerful. And I guess we have to call YouTube interviews almost the same thing nowadays. That is one of the best ways to get exposure and, and get sales for your book. I actually have had that conversation with a number of people recently because I've been trying to figure out the best way to market my upcoming book for this year. And I'm getting the same feedback and I'm hearing it in other people's podcasts. Podcasts, interviews are the best way to get exposure for a book release. And then, of course, let's say you're talking about maybe a physical product, I think you'll find there's a lot of influencer marketing going on in that space, you know, where you've got someone who's got a huge Instagram following and they're, they're talking about some sort of makeup they use or they're driving a car and the car is, you know, it's probably a paid promotion, but it's generating sales for that car. It's product placement. It has, it's nothing new. It's been going on in, in television and radio for, you know, hundreds of years, even when we talk about radio. But nowadays it's on social channels, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, wherever, you know, Snapchat, wherever the audiences are, there'll be an opportunity to do some kind of paid promotions, product placements, and so on. So those are great sources of traffic as well. So I've covered a lot of potential traffic sources. I mean, at the end of the day, there's always been four, content marketing, ad buying, joint ventures, and publicity. Those have always been, and if you, I guess if you group influencer marketing in publicity, it might fit there. That really does sum up the four. So you can do content marketing for free to hopefully get traffic from other people's websites and ultimately from search engines and other platforms like iTunes and YouTube and so on. You've got going to another person who has an audience and doing some kind of promotion with them, a joint venture. You've got going to Facebook or Google or Twitter or Instagram or LinkedIn and paying to get in front of an audience using their platforms, you know, buying keywords and audiences and retargeting and all that. And you've got publicity. So doing something newsworthy, letting people know about it, and then getting coverage on other websites as a result of that, which actually kind of starts to fall into the content marketing world, I think, nowadays too. So that's a good summary of essentially the main traffic methods that have been around since I got on the internet. I remember people talking about these things in the early 2000s as well. Obviously, the amount of platforms we've had since then has exploded. There's way more options. There's way more audience to reach. That's why ad buying is incredible nowadays because you can reach so many people so quickly if you've got a large budget. So the opportunities are endless, which you know makes me excited in on one level because I know I've got a lot of potential to grow my new startup. I like the fresh feeling of being excited about a new idea that you want to talk about. That is motivating. But the truth, and this is that, that little thing that you don't hear people talking about, is this is a job you will have to do forever on some level if you want something to continue to deliver a return for you. In other words, if you want to keep making sales, you can never stop the marketing process. There will always be something you can do. Now, me personally, I'm probably one of the best examples of someone who's done their utmost to use the internet on as close to a passive income level as I can and lived the life that reflects that. You know, I have not worked for long periods of time in the sense, you know, I have, I've done a bare minimum. I shouldn't say not worked because I feel like 
I'm always working on something because I enjoy the creative process of, of writing an article, of writing a book, of recording this podcast for you. This technically is work, I guess, but it doesn't feel like work so much. It's just something I like to do. I like to talk to you guys. I like to share content, but it happens to also grow my audience, grow my business. So I've set up, and if you know my story, I've moved from business to business. I was trying to get closer and closer to that kind of business where I feel confident that my income will continue with a very minimal return. I'd actually call it not passive income. I've always used the phrase highly leveraged return, which means you get a lot from a little. It's classic 80-20 rule. I mean, I discovered the 80-20 rule early 2000s, primarily thanks to the book Living the 80-20 Way by Richard Koch. So even before Tim Ferriss made it popular with the four-hour work week, and when I discovered that, it really influenced my future and also my present in terms of how I live my life. But when it came to my businesses and the marketing I would do in the future to grow my audience, I was always looking for ways to build, as I have called this traffic in the past, pillar content or you know pillar sources of traffic in your business where you can maybe work really hard on one traffic source, but it will deliver long term. So great article, takes a long time to put it together. You do that many times over a period of a couple of years and suddenly you've got this fairly stable, consistent content traffic coming in. That can be applied to any methodology. You could spend a lot of your time relationship building and that means you've got a consistent open doorway of joint venture partners coming your way. You could do the same thing with your skill set when you become an ad buyer. You just develop that skill set over a couple of years and then you can step in and all you have to do is spend that five to ten minutes a day to keep the campaigns running. So you can get very leveraged, not pure passive. I think if you want pure passive, you've really got to look at, you see, you can't even say things like property because at the end of the day, investing in real estate requires you have, you know, people, you're almost can be completely free, but you still have to hire people to look after the property, do the management, you know, the maintenance, all that sort of stuff. You can't fully remove yourself. You can get pretty far away from it. The bigger you get, the more people you can have working under you. So the more distance you can take yourself out of the role of the business, that's for sure. But even then, I wouldn't call it pure passive. Maybe the only kind of pure passive is buying gold and just letting it sit there. Or even, I guess you could say buying stocks and trading stocks. But you know, that's another area where if you leave it alone, I mean, investment advice would say that sometimes is the smartest thing to do, buy an index fund, leave it alone. But what do you do with the rest of your life, right? So obviously, this is not meant to be a podcast about financial advice and passive income in general. It's really more about traffic and the fact that it's not passive. And I, that's my main point. And I feel like I've gotten that across to you, but you can go after highly leveraged. So I guess to sort of wrap up, move towards the end of this, this little solo episode for you on the truth behind traffic. The truth is there won't be a magic bullet traffic source that will become instantly available and sustainable long term. There will be traffic sources that take a time to build up and will continue to need nurturing and some sort of stimulation. But if they are traffic sources that can stand on their own to a degree, highly leveraged, in other words, then you know you need to water them a little bit little sprinkle of water once a week, but they continue to deliver week in, week out. That's what you're looking for. What you don't want to do is, for example, create a traffic source. Like, let's say you focus on Facebook and you have to post 50 updates a day of little news bites just to deal with the algorithm at Facebook and try and get attention from your following there, because that's a lot of work. And you know, you stop doing it for a week 
and suddenly you've lost all your audience. You don't have, they're not seeing your updates on Facebook. And because Facebook is so in the moment, an article you wrote two days ago does not appear in the newsfeed today. It's very instantaneous. That's the great thing about Google. A blog post you wrote 10 years ago can still appear in the top of search results for that keyword phrase. Way, way better than any social platform that will beat Facebook or Instagram. YouTube is probably the only one that comes close, which strangely enough is owned by Google. So it's another situation where you know you could make a video that stands a test of time and continues to rank really well years after it was initially produced. So that's what you're looking for. Leverage. Obviously, the ultimate leverage is always your own email list. I guess I should kind of wrap it up and say that if there is one traffic source that kind of beats all traffic sources at the end of the day, it's ownership of your database. And you'll always hear that from every successful business owner, your database, your list, that's where the money's made. Because you own it, you can decide how and when to market to it. The trick, the challenge today is keeping that list healthy and understanding that the truth about traffic also applies to list growth. There is no list that stays responsive and stays static in terms of the size. It will naturally atrophy. There is diminishing returns from email lists as well. People unsubscribe. So if you don't have a way to sort of keep feeding and the growth of your list and also a good nurturing method to keep people on the list and you know keep them engaged and moving towards becoming customers then that list doesn't have a forever return either so like i said there is no traffic technique that can escape atrophy and diminishing returns that's the truth but having your own list is by far the highest leverage it's almost passive not quite but it's very leveraged and that's what you want to do you want to use all these traffic techniques even the ones that might be very transient and temporary like you get a blowout article that goes viral on facebook but next week it's got zero impact on your traffic at least when it goes viral on facebook it might have added two or three hundred new subscribers to your list or two or three thousand depending on how viral it actually went that's an outcome where you can lock in some sort of long-term benefit from a short-term traffic event. And that's why I will always tell people, do what you need to do to grow your list above all other marketing methods. And that's where we're actually moving on to next as a kind of phase two with my new company, inboxdone.com. We are about to add the email list to that business. So we'll be growing a list there because just like I told you, I know the list will become the best asset we can have on that business to get new customers as well because it allows us to stay in touch with our most interested prospects. Not everyone is going to necessarily be ready to buy from us the moment they discover us. We want to make sure that we keep emailing them. We tell them we exist. We offer value. We say we're still doing this. We're still here for you if you need us. Maybe now you're big enough that you can hire yourself your own email inbox manager and now we're ready to serve you. And that's what we need to do. We need to stay in touch, stay top of mind. And that's what the email list can help us do. So I recommend you do the same with your business. Obviously, it's a very, very smart thing to do. Okay, so that pretty much sums up what I wanted to talk to you on this very late Sunday evening here in Vancouver, Canada. I wanted to pass on a little update on, I guess, my businesses, but more importantly, talk about the truth behind traffic and, you know, is passive traffic real? What you're up against as a marketer online? The fact is you need this to be an ongoing process that's part of your business forever. As long as you have this business, you will be doing some kind of marketing 
probably to grow your list, but you'll be dabbling in everything from ad buying to publicity to joint ventures to content marketing. One of those may just turn out to be a golden bullet for you and it by far is your best source of traffic. I know content marketing has been so far for me with most of my businesses up to this point, but I see the changing landscape. You know, even ranking Google is not a guaranteed thing. You, you have to keep working on that too. So you got to find your sweet spot, work on it, and of course use it to grow the list because that gives you the highest leverage point. So that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm switching into marketing mode for inboxdone.com. So if you know anyone who could benefit from having their email taken off their plate, give some time, you know, maybe you need the time to create new products to do these marketing campaigns that I'm talking about. But if you find yourself spending hours a day just dealing with email, that's not a smart thing. You shouldn't be doing email. Probably 90% of your email should be taken off your hands. And that's what we're here for. We can provide a dedicated English as a first language speaking person who will come into your email. They'll learn about your business, your products, your services, your life, and they'll handle your email for you. So that's my last little plug there for inboxdone.com. I'm going to begin my marketing campaigns tomorrow for that in earnest. So you'll hopefully be hearing more and more about that company. And yeah, thanks for listening to this episode of the Yarrow Solo Podcast. If you know anyone who is also in the world of online business and they're you know thinking about traffic and they feel a little bit lost and confused about traffic and you feel like this episode would give them some awareness about what's really possible i really did cover the four main traffic sources in this plus you know laid out a bit of truth about what marketing is like online and what you're up against and also what's the smart way to do it so this podcast could certainly prove useful so please please do share it with them and of course if you haven't already subscribe on itunes this is a podcast that's been going for over a decade and you should subscribe to make sure you get all my latest episodes whenever i release them okay my name is yarrow thanks again for listening to this episode of my podcast and i'll talk to you very very soon bye bye I hope you enjoyed that episode of the EJ podcast. If you're interested in following in the footsteps of myself and many other successful people who use blogs to grow a business, then I invite you to download a free copy of my Blog Profits Blueprint report, which has been downloaded over 150,000 times and is the starting point for many very successful bloggers today. It's an A to Z guide on how to choose a topic, market your blog, set all the technology up, and of course, make money from blogging as well. 100% free in audio and written text. You can get it from blogprofitsblueprint.com. Just enter your email address there and I'll send you a free download for the Blog Profits Blueprint. Thanks again for listening. Here's a sneak peek for the next episode. I've always gotten into businesses where there's been a upward trend. And today when I mentor my clients, I, I really look at their industry and I have a saying, whatever industry you're in, look for where the money is flowing in the industry and go there. listening to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast, the original entrepreneur interview podcast established in 2005. For more episodes, head over to ejpodcast.com. See you next time.